When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmus.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. I am by myself. No Colin Brister today. But that's because I have two great guests in a baseball-packed hour of Talk of Champions. Kel Baker, first baseman for Ole Miss Baseball. Ben Ingram of the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. They're filling the entire hour talking all about baseball. When will it come back? How will the draft impact Ole Miss? When will it happen? How many rounds? But I wanted to tell you before we really get going here, about David Johnson. So I get a text midday Wednesday, and it's David. It's the first time I've gotten a text from David in months. And he was talking a little noise, and it was great. But the news is he's leaving the hospital, going home on Friday. Your prayers, your good vibes, your thoughts, whatever, they were heard, they were felt. And David, who we thought we'd lost, is going home. And when I got that text, I'm not going to lie, some onions They got cut in my house. It's the best news. At one point, he was given 5% to see this moment happen. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing deal. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. You can also find Talk of Champions on Spotify, SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Going now to the Modern Woman phone line to talk to Kel Baker, Ole Miss first baseman. What was in his mind when Ole Miss baseball ended? How does the draft news impact him? How can Ole Miss be better next year? How can they replicate the success of this year, next year? How can they bottle it up? All those things coming up with Kel Baker right now. This is Talk of Champions. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? 
Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, Ole Miss first baseman Kel Baker. Kel, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, Ben. How are you, man? I'm good. You surviving out there in self-isolation? Yeah, I try my best, just like everybody else. What are you doing to keep your sanity? Um, well, I was actually fortunate enough that when I got back home, once all this started, that uh, my dad had put a weight room in our basement. He, uh, My little brothers are high school athletes, so w- with both of them being spring sports, he just wanted to help like supplement their lifts for their sports whenever they were able to. So with that being said, I was able to come home and have a good weight room in my basement to be able to get my workouts and stuff done. Are they baseball players? Uh, the one under me is a baseball player, but the one that the two under me is um, he runs track and plays football. Yeah, but you can still show them, right? You're big brother. I mean, you can still beat them in everything, right? 100%. Oh, I try my best. <laughs> it's competitive over there, and you got to stay competitive. And that's one thing that Doug Nikhazy, when I talked to him, he said the thing that's really driven him crazy with sports gone, self-isolation, all this stuff, it's that competitive itch. He just can't find anything to adequately scratch it. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. So what do you do with your brothers? Uh, I mean, honestly, like you say, that competitive edge, and we go out, we play a bunch of horse in my front yard. Like we got a basketball hoop in our driveway. And I mean, honestly, it gets pretty intense. I mean, with all of us, I mean, we've grown up playing sports and athletics or, I mean, I'd say it's in our genes and like, it's tough. I mean, you go out there and you want to win and it's tough because you got a bunch of other people out there trying to win as well. And you're trying to, have some fun while playing, but on the other hand, you're, it's the uh, most amount of competition we're getting during this time. So it's just you try your best, and sometimes it gets a little out of hand because people want to win that badly. So, but I mean, like I said, like just trying to just just having fun out there, but also it's that little competitive edge that you miss playing, and then you get a chance to go outside and do something, and it just kind of takes it over. How you staying in baseball shape, getting your cuts in, stuff like that? Uh, actually, there's a facility up at uh, around my house, up probably five, ten minutes away from where I live, uh, called DBAT. And one of their owners is a good, good family friend of mine. And he used to tell me, he's like, hey, man, like, come on up here. Like, I know that summer ball may still be an option, may not be, but just, just so you're ready, like, come on up and, 
come get some cuts up here. So that was, that was, I was very fortunate that he reached out to me and told me I was able to do that. It was only 17 games, but you had a good stretch there after a week named SEC Player of the Week. You had the four for four game, I think it was against Louisville. You hit four home runs. Mm-hmm. It's only 17 games, but what did you learn that you can take when you go into a cage or wherever trying to get your cuts in to stay sharp? What did you learn in that little stretch? Um, honestly, like the big thing I learned is just like, just keep grinding, like grind out at bats, grind out your work because it does show in the games. Like what you do in the cage and what you do in practice really does move over to games and how you perform because you got to have some fun with it because baseball is fun. I mean, we're doing this because we love the game, but there, there's a, there's a fine line between slacking off and having fun and then just straight up, just being ignorant with what you're doing in training, because when you go and you work in the cage and obviously up here, we, I mean, at Ole Miss, we work a lot in the cages on the field, taking BP, just like everybody else does but we have a really fine line with joking around, but also like getting serious when we need to get serious and getting stuff done. And to me, that was a big thing because obviously, like I said, you want to have fun, but when it comes down to the minor details, like, are you having a little too much fun? Are you, are you honing those skills in and working on your weaknesses that really allow you to transfer over into the games? What made y'all so good? Personally, I mean, I think it was just, it was just this team had that, that it factor. Like we had all the guys, we played for each other. There was no one pulling in a different direction. I mean, Coach Bianco always told us that we, we got to pull, we all got to pull one way because if you got a couple guys pulling a different way or trying to do stuff that it's not our team goals, um, it can kind of bring the team down. But honestly, the reason why I thought we were so good and we were a championship caliber team was because we all had the same goal in mind. And that was to go into every game, win every game, play our best. And eventually, I mean, it'd show and we, we moved through and we would just get stuff done. And honestly, another thing would be, I just feel that we, we played for each other. Like we played as one, um, pass the bat down like the good old thing like let the person behind you get up to the plate and I think that was that showed I mean we grinded out at bats our pitchers grinded out innings just to let our hitters get back and we just we never gave up like we kept fighting no matter what happened and honestly I feel like that really led to our success the draft is such a wild card because we don't know how many rounds it's going to be when it's going to be how it's going to affect high school prospects guys who maybe were one year into a college program like you, you could lose Anthony and Tyler, maybe just Tyler, maybe more than that like you, Hayden Leatherwood. We don't know. So how do you recreate that next year, Mm -hmm. assuming that you're going to lose some people? I just think that it's just – I mean, with you saying that, like we might lose Anthony, we might lose Tyler. I mean, you know who we might lose. But it's just – I think that core group of guys that we have, just like they had last year with – um, the guys who came back, I think it's just the experience in the program and just knowing like what is expected out of us and what our, what our intentions and our goals are and having those, that group of guys and um, 
just the players that are coming back that know that to really help the new guys coming in and the transfers and get them on board and allow them to get back. And also, I mean, just, just going out there and playing. I mean, we're all here for a reason and we've all had our own past to get here. And I mean, just using all that stuff to get back out there and play. I mean, we, we just went out and we played, we had fun and we, we competed and that was our main goal. And I think that the culture of this program is that like go out there, compete, win every day, win every pitch, win every at bat, um, make the plays in the field when needed, uh, score the runs when needed. And obviously that's, that's all in a perfect world. But I mean, our, our goal every day is to, to win and is to win every day, win every pitch, win every at bat. So I think if you can pass that down to, the guys that are coming in and really get them to buy in and show them that like, Hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And they start to see the success of the team. Like they're going to buy in and be like, Oh man, man, like I want to be a part of that. I want to be that guy out there starting on Friday night. I want to be that guy starting leading off on Friday night. And I think it's, that's the culture. Like when you, when you breed a certain culture and people don't buy in, they're big outliers. Like you can really tell, because they're not fully um, incorporated with what everyone's doing. They're kind of on their own, or you can tell that they, they might just be getting passed by. But I feel like with us is everyone's got the same goal in mind, and we really, we really just go out there and compete every day. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You have a very big personality. And yes, it was your first year in the program, but you're a junior. So when you looked at yourself and your role as a leader on this team, what void or leadership role did you try to fill? Maybe was it being the big personality that keeps the pressure off, whatever? What did you settle into? Um, I mean, personally, I just I just wanted to try to be myself. Like, I just wanted to – I mean, I've had experiences that some people have had, but some people haven't, and I just wanted to help. Um, just in, in anywhere I could, if that was starting at first base, if that was being a DH, if that was being a role player in situations, or if that was just being a guy on the bench to help cheer on the team. I mean, I, my, my goal was to just accept my, accept my job. Obviously I was going to go out there every day to compete, to be that starter, to be the starting first baseman, the bat in the four hole. But if it didn't happen, then, I mean, I knew the guy, that was starting out there was just as good as me. And I had no worries that we were going to get stuff done. And to me, it was just, it was accept my role and accept what I had to do to help this team be the best that it could be. I've talked to Hayden Leatherwood. I've talked to Dunhurst. I've talked to Doug, Anthony Servideo, Elko, Broadway, every single one of them. When I asked them, okay, I don't know what point in the season Ole Miss would be in right now, but where would Ole Miss be? Most every one of them still believes Y'all would only have one loss. I I agree hundred percent. Why? I just feel that we had like we had the guys to do it. I feel like that um our weekend rotation on the mound was solid. Um our one through nine, even the guys on the bench, I mean, to come in in situations where we needed a pinch hitter or someone got subbed out, that we had those guys. And I just feel like that we all, like I said, we had the same goal in mind and that same goal in mind was to win a national championship. And to go into that with that kind of mindset, even if you're down a couple of runs, like 
if everyone's pulling the same way, you, you still got a fighting chance because no one's going to give up. And I feel like that was, that was where we would be. We'd be out there and we'd, we'd play, we'd grind out at bats, grind out innings. And I just feel as though with us, we, we had something special and we had what we needed to have. We had a core, we had a solid core group of leaders and they were leading the right way and everyone was following. And it was to the point of we all, we all believed in each other. And I feel like that's, that's where we would be. When the news came down and Mike and Mike and Carl are breaking the news to you guys that baseball, it's over, the season is done and that devastation sets in. How did you respond? Because everybody responded differently. Y'all were all devastated, but you handled it in different ways. Leatherwood said he went to his car and just sat there for like an hour, just crying his eyes out. Couldn't believe it was over. For you, how did you compartmentalize it? Um, obviously, I mean, it's tough. Like you said, Leatherwood went to his car, just sat there. I mean, a lot of us, after we came downstairs from the meeting room, we just kind of sat there in the locker room in silence and, just obviously so many thoughts are rolling through everyone's mind. And I mean, we just tried to be with each other because you don't know if that's the last time, if the game against Louisiana Monroe on that Wednesday was the last time we were going to play together again. So, I mean, just kind of, we just wanted to be with the guys, but no, after that, I mean, I showered, got around and I went and did the same thing. I just sat in my car and was just, I was just confused. I was wondering why that happened. Like, is, is it really over? How has everything come to this? Like two days prior, we were playing a game in Louisiana and then supposed to open up on Friday with LSU for the SEC home opener. And now we're done. So just so many thoughts are rolling through my mind and just not really understanding. There are a lot of questions and um, just, thoughts and like questions and stuff. Like I said, that just no one had the answers to. So it was a very, very confusing time. And I mean, like you said, Hayden did, like, I just, I just went and sat in my car and called my parents and just told them what was going on. And I mean, they were upset for me. And so it was, I mean, I was upset too, but like I, like I was trying to tell them on the phone, I was like, well, we, we really can't control this. Like they're doing this for a reason to keep us safe. So it was kind of a, it was a very upsetting time, but knowing that they were looking out for our health and our safety and that they, the NCAA, the SEC, and our coaches and everyone just thought that the best thing to do was to just, just call the season. And I mean, it sucked. It really did. It broke my heart because I mean, I've been on a, a wavy path to where I got to and finally got felt that I came to a place that I could call home and then something like this happens and it's just devastating. It had to be relieving when you found out that the NCAA was going to allow each and every one of you, specifically the upperclassmen, the ability to have one extra year of eligibility to where if the draft doesn't play out like you want, you still can come back and maintain your draft eligibility. And for someone like you, that had to be a massive deal, a game-changing deal because it changes the whole equation, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was great to hear that because this is the first time in three years that I actually have a 
I know where I'm going to school. So that was a big relief too. And I get this time in the past two years of my life, like I really had was unsure on where I was going to end up the year after. So with that being said, like knowing that, you know, I'm coming back to a place that, that I love that I love the people that are around me and I really care strongly and love the coaches that are around here. And I believe in everything that we're doing that it's, it's, it's relieving because I know that I'm coming back to a place where, where it, it's right for me. Did you feel that you'd become a fan favorite? Cause you became a fan favorite. You knew it, right? I, I mean, I wouldn't say I knew it, but I mean, I did come I, on. I didn't know that a lot of people did. They did believe in me. So that was, I love that. You're listening to Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. That voice you're listening to is Kel Baker, Ole Miss first baseman, Ole Miss baseball first baseman. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Mosquito Marshals. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. What was your favorite moment, the one that stuck with you immediately, that you thought, okay, this is cool, this is what I signed up for? I mean, I, I probably have two in mind. I mean, the first one is obviously Friday night home opener against Louisville and the number one team in the nation, and just being able to um, get ready right before the game starts. I mean, we're running out for um, right before the first pitch when Doug throws his warm-up pitches and just – seeing everybody in the stands and just seeing how many people really believe in what we're doing here and how many people come to support us. And I mean, that was, I mean, it was breathtaking. Like I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I wasn't, I kept telling myself like, Hey man, like this is what you, this is what you like worked for. This is what you did. And I got out there and I right before the first pitch threw the ball in to the dugout after throwing it around and just kind of took like a little stare around the stage and was like, man, this is awesome. But then I'd say number two is that Saturday game against Louisville when that top of the first inning when Anthony gets on, Peyton hits a double, uh, TK flew out, I think, and then I was able to get that fastball inside from Bobby Miller and hit a home run. And, I mean, I just remember the sound off the bat and then an immediate cheer from the crowd. And to me, that was just like the most – like dignifying moment, like, man, like, this is what I've worked for. Like, this is it. Obviously like, like I got to keep working, but this is what I've been working towards my entire life. 
See, I'm one of those guys that's a big believer in let the kids play, like Major League Baseball, the unwritten rules. Forget all that. Let them have fun. So had I have been you in that moment, I don't think I could have controlled myself. I would have probably been doing a cartwheel down first base. How do you control that? I mean, I don't know how anybody does. I mean, honestly, like it's that good old saying that like act like you've been there before. And like my parents have always told me that like growing up, they've always been like, hey, like when something good happens, like, yes, yeah, celebrate. Don't get me wrong. Like use your emotions to the best of your ability to to heighten you to to motivate you. But on the other hand, it's like act like you've been there. So like hitting a home run in that, in that setting, like, yes, I mean, it, it was one of the best moments of my life. But on the other hand, like we still, it was only the bottom of the first, like we still had eight innings we had to play and you can't get too high and you can't get too low in your emotions. Like you got to stay even keel, but allow yourself to kind of fluctuate because on the other hand, like you can use those emotions to, to motivate and, and to continue to hone in your skills and use that to persevere through the game. But like I said, just, just the good old saying, just act like, act like you've been there. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I used that to like kind of hone in my emotions during that area of time on the field. Yeah. That's all great and everything. But if I'm Tim Elko and I hit a ball that bounces off the batter's eye, <laughs> I am going to pimp the shit out of that ball. Yeah, I mean, that is true as well. I mean, do you believe in pimping home runs? Do you like pimping home runs? I mean, I don't think I've ever purposely pimped a home run. I mean, oh. I've been told that a few times that I might have, like, just done it on accident because, no, I don't think I've ever, um, like, done it on purpose. I mean, I have no problem with it just because, like, it's a, it's a shi- it's a sign of emotion. It's a sign of joy and happiness and just, like, like – Let's go, like, get excited. But, I mean, like I said, I don't think I've ever purposely pimped a home run. See, your promise to me should be that you promise that one day next season, if you're back, that you will pimp a home run. Because you have to. Because I've never believed in that <laughs> criticism that, oh, you're showing up the pitcher. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that's the point. Me and Clement have had that conversation before. I'm like, Clem. If the point is to beat the pitcher and I beat him in the most embarrassing way for him, dang right, I'm going to show him up. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, pitchers do the same thing when they strike someone out. They they get all excited and stuff. And when we hit a home run, when batter hitters hit a home run, I mean, they pimp it. It's just, it's back and forth. Yeah. But like, like I said, like I, I don't think I've ever, if I have, I've never purposely tried to pimp a home run. Yeah, we need to get you a rivalry with a pitcher to where you can feel okay <laughs> pimping home run. Because you need to be able to. All right. Because here's the thing. Yeah. All these uh, unwritten rules of baseball people, they say, well, I'm okay with a pitcher throwing at a dude, but I'm not okay with a guy pimping a home run. So I'm okay with the guy being able to physically hurt someone, but just because I might hurt his feelings because I hit one of his balls really far, that's bad. It's all messed up to me. No, I agree. I think, I mean, it's like that good old saying, you can't have your cake, you need it too. Like, you got to pick one or the other and have both. Yeah. Sorry, that was my pimping home runs rant. I get on it every single time when I talk to (laughs) sluggers, and you're the one that's got to be pimping home runs. You got to carry on the tradition like Thomas Dillard. You got to be the pimping home runs guy. Okay, so if there is summer ball, where will you go? Um, If summer ball does happen, I'll be up in – 
the Northwoods League in Wisconsin playing for the uh, Wisconsin Woodchucks. Okay. So what will you focus on in summer ball? Because I know that you go there to hear new voices and to play with new people, get a new experience, but there are areas of emphasis, correct? 100%. And, I mean, for me, I think it's just continuously doing what I was doing during the season, like really focusing on certain aspects of my swing and really honing in on those details to continuously um, just work on those and get that to where it's really comfortable and just honestly just going out there playing, getting getting more experience, getting more live at bats, um, getting live reads off the ball at first base and out there making plays. So me mainly just focusing on, like I said, the, uh, the aspects of my swing that Coach Clem and I really worked on this spring and then continuously getting better um, at a defensive standpoint. I know what you're going to say that you're humbled and you appreciate it, you're thankful, blah, 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 blah. But really, when you see that you're ranked like top five, I think, by D1 Baseball as one of the top five first basemen in college baseball, what went through your head? I mean, it was it was exciting. It was exciting to see that, like, my play and the coaches that have got me to here and the coaches that are here that have worked with me, that it's all paid off. I mean, obviously, hasn't paid off yet. But on the other hand, it's it's – I'm getting recognized and that just, that gives credit to everyone who's helped me along the way, especially the coaches that are here at Ole Miss and help working with me and just never giving up and allowing me to continuously just work hard and play. You mentioned playing first base and defensively. When you think about now getting those eyeballs on you from talent evaluators, scouts, you've worked for this moment. Is it now taking it to the next step as far as defensively, improving range, whatever it might be? Like, what is the defensive focus? Um, I mean, mainly the defensive focus is just being more consistent uh, with making sure I'm picking balls and um, holding guys on and just making the, the routine plays in the field and the plays that I know that I should be making and just continuously honing in on just all around defensive skills and just getting better. And, that's that's the main defensive focus right there. Okay, so let's play this out a little bit before we get out of here. Y'all be getting Perfect. close to the SEC tournament. June, that's Omaha time. That's postseason time. Right now, where would Ole Miss be? Right, like in the season? No, just as far as how good y'all would be heading to the SEC tournament. Are y'all a high seed? Are y'all going to end up hosting a regional, super regional Forecast it for me. Uh, I mean, we're we're high seed SEC tournament, win the SEC tournament, come back, host a regional, win that, host the Supers, win that, and then we're off to Omaha. Man, that was simple. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the confidence y'all well, have to have with Doug and Gunner every time they took them out, especially with the way they were pitching there before everything got cut off, y'all had to believe that, of course, offensively, y'all were dynamic, one of the best, if not the best, home run hitting team in the country. But pitching-wise, when you have those two as a one-two punch, that's got to provide confidence for everyone, right? Oh, 100%. And, I mean, you cannot, you can't even forget Derek Diamond. I mean, on Sundays, yeah, the guy who really held down the weekend, like, came in and I was either a sweep or a win for the series. And, I mean, he came in as a freshman and did his job. I mean, also, you can't forget the relief pitchers that we've had. I mean, Miller, Broadway – uh, Gilbert, 
Forsyth and all those guys that really come in and just, just like in a tight game, they come in a tight spot and they, they hold it down. And, or if we're up and we need to close, those guys can come in and they can close it out. Those kind of the guys that get overlooked just because they're not the, the guys who you think about that when you start a game, Doug, Gunner, Derek, that gets credit for the win or whatever, but you gotta, you gotta give those guys some credit for really, really either holding us in a tight spot or allowing us to continuously get back to the plate to score more runs. Did y'all see it pretty quickly with Peyton, with Derek, with Dunhurst, all those freshmen that stepped in and performed immediately when did y'all know that they were going to be able to hit the ground running? Did you know? Um, I mean, you could, you could tell a little bit from the beginning that this was a special group of freshmen that we had and that they were willing to come in. And like I said, buy in immediately. And obviously everyone has their struggles. Don't get me wrong. Everyone can have a bad outing or a bad day at the plate, or maybe even a couple of bad days at the plate. But those those guys that that freshman class really excelled in just continuing to work, to work hard, to believe in themselves, especially, and believe in the culture of this program and just, just buy in and allow themselves to, to be the best that they were able to be and be, um, to be good, good players for this team. So do you embrace the Kenny power stuff? I mean, I do just because I mean, I, mean, I love Eastbound and Down. Yeah, you have. Oh to. yeah, I mean, I love Eastbound and Down. Actually, rewatching it again right now, <laughs> and just I mean, I love it. I do. Uh, what do you do for fun when you're not thinking about ball, not playing ball? Um, I mean, I kind of, I just, I like to work out, like to just kind of. Oh, you hard hang out, you hardo. <laughs> no, seriously though, I mean just kind of just be around family because obviously being in Mississippi when I'm from Ohio, it's, it's hard to, to see them so often, especially with my parents working and my brothers in school. So just really like to spend time with family and, um, just be around them and get good, just good vibes from them. Did they get to come down for any games? They did actually. They, my parents and one of my younger brothers, was able to come down for the Louisville series. Oh, good. Yeah, and they got to see the four. Yeah, was, four. That's why you went four yeah. four. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to show off for the parents. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, okay, I have fun, Ben, uh, when I go out with my tree trunk arms and get on a golf course <laughs> and just pipe drives over and over and over. No, I'm actually horrible at golf. That's the thing. Wow. Yeah. That might be, might be the, one of the worst golf players there are. Uh, well, see, I can't say anything. I made the dumb decision recently because I'm in quarantine. I have nothing to do. I bought a golf mm-hmm. cart because I live across the street from a golf course. And uh, <laughs> I decided, you know what? I'm going to be good at golf. No, I suck. I'm horrible. It's terrible. So I'm just too grain in the hole for nothing. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, what the hell else am I going to do? Dunhurst, of course, said he plays video games. He's playing the show. He's challenging me to the show, which I'm trying to say, dude, you don't want to smoke. Oh, that's tough. I mean, I've never seen him play, but... Yeah, that's a that's a hard allegation right there. He played more ping pong in the locker room than he did the show. So oh well, I don't know. Look, guys, I mean, I'll take any one of y'all at ping pong. It doesn't matter. Now that one, Dunhurst would gladly accept. Okay, 
See, what I'm going to do is I made this challenge to Gunnar Hoagland one day. I know he's going to make me look like a fool, but that's the point. I said, I'm going to bring out a camera, and um, I want you to throw me your slider and see if I can ever make contact. Now, what are the chances if he gives me 100 chances that I make contact on one slider? I mean, his slider is is elite. So, I I mean, you you better bring your best game to that plate that day. So... Uh, this is what I want to do. Embarrass Ben every single day. So I'm going to come out there, let Hoagland strike me out with a slider, play Dunhurst and ping pong, and then with Kale, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I can't lift weights with you. What the hell are we going to do? I don't know. We'll have to figure something out. All right. How much can you bench press, honestly? And don't be humble. Don't be modest. Um, I think this year I hit my max. I think I got 300 on one rep. What would you ideally lift and squat if you could just get to that point? I mean, on the bench, I mean, I'd love to get 315. And like that's, that's been my goal since I was like a junior in high school was to be able to bench 315. And then squat, I mean, it'd be great to be able to squat 500. Yeah, do you really need to squat to play baseball? Uh, I mean, you do because you need that explosion in your legs and you got to have, I mean, you're out there on your feet all day, so your legs really have to be in good shape. And like I said, just working on the explosion of the drive off the ground and just, it works on flexibility as well. So yeah, I would say you do need squats for baseball. All right. All right. That's Kel Baker. Thanks man for doing this. I appreciate it, dude. And, uh, tolerating all this nonsense, stay safe in quarantine and, uh, hopefully everything will be back to normal soon. Will do. Thank you, Ben. That was Kel Baker. Ole Miss baseball first baseman. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe it. Review Talk of Champions and iTunes. When you do, you know the deal. Leave a five-star review. I don't care what you say. You can say Ben is the absolute worst or worse. Say something worse. As long as it's five stars, I don't care. Also available in SoundCloud, Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and the food of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. 
Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Going back to the Modern Women phone line, a double dip to speak to Ben Ingram of the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. When will baseball return? Not just college baseball. I need my Major League Baseball back. I need my Braves back. But the draft has implications for Ole Miss. How many rounds? When will it happen? All that stuff. Not to mention Pearl, the double-A home of the Atlanta Braves, and how that'll be impacted if there's no minor league season. Ben Ingram knows all about it. He's here to update us. This is Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now, Ben Ingram. Atlanta Braves Radio Network, 680 The Fan. No baseball. Ben, how you holding up? I'm making it, man. I'm making it. I mean, coming on shows like this really helps me get through and chat with you and all the other chaps back home. So it's good, man. It's day by day and just trying to figure this whole thing out. I said this on Tuesday's show. I didn't realize how much my mental health was relying upon regular Atlanta Braves games every single day. Yeah. And that's the thing that I love so much about our game is it's every single day. I mean, it's like a soap opera for what we do. And when it's not there, it's weird, man. And, and I, I don't even think about other sports not being there in the fall. Uh, that would just be a complete catastrophe. But uh, at this point, having this gone, it just feels like something is, you know, it's like the line from Field of Dreams. I feel like something's been amputated. And you're just going through knowing that you, you're supposed to be playing games right now. We know what the schedule's supposed to be. I know we'd be most likely, I think we're supposed to be on the road right now. And um, it, it's just really hard to think about that, knowing that, number one, we don't have it. Number two, the uncertainty of when we will have baseball again. It's been tough. What's your favorite place to visit? San Diego, San Francisco? Where is it? Those are those are really up there. I mean, I love broadcasting at Dodger Stadium. I think that's my favorite place to broadcast a game. San Diego as a town is just phenomenal. I uh, love going out there, especially when we have an off day out there. Chicago and New York is so tough to beat, too, especially with Chicago because you're playing day baseball, which means you get to make a dinner reservation that night, and you could blindfold yourself and just walk into a random restaurant in Chicago and have a hell of a meal. That's the great thing about Chicago. So those, those four are, are way, way up there for me. We don't get to go to Seattle a lot, but I love going there. We were supposed to go there this year. 
Uh, Philadelphia's got great food as well. But to me, those top four are San Diego, L.A., Chicago, and New York in no particular order. The last time I went to Chicago, and you'll love this being an Ole Miss guy, 2016 for the draft when Laramie stuff happens. Ole Miss has three Mm -hmm. first-round picks, but the Laramie stuff happens. So a disaster. The next day we go to a Braves game before I leave out of town. And Aaron Barrett pitched well, and still the Braves lost on a walk-off. So that was just a great capper to a weekend for me <laughs> in Chicago. Hey, well, just more reason to just hit the bars at night. Go hit Gibson's and whatever else trouble you can get into in that town. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. So uh, you hear all the rumors and see all the reports and stuff like that about how and when baseball will return. What most piques your interest? Uh, the one that, that revolves around the 4th of July weekend is the one that makes the most sense to me. I've heard guys tell me that on and off the record. I had a really conversation with Freddie Freeman the other day that wasn't an interview. We were just uh, doing a, a thing for, for a season ticket Zoom meeting. Before we went on, we were chatting about it, and that's what he was talking about. It, it, it kind of falls in line with, I don't know if you saw this over the last day or so, but uh, Trevor Plouffe and uh, Phil Hughes were, were talking about this, how they had, of course, they had, they're not in the game anymore but they were both tweeting about how they had some sources talking about that weekend being the weekend that we aim for getting this thing going again i think the kbo going over in korea put some pressure on major league baseball not necessarily to get it going right now but to get it going here in the next couple of months i think you feel if they can do it there why could you find a way to do it over here and whether that means playing three divisions with 10 teams i know that was the proposal last week which makes a lot of sense I don't think anyone really cares who's in the divisions. I don't think they really care when we get started, just so long as we get started. That's what these players care about is playing games. Paris against whomever you want. Put us in whomever division you want. Play the games wherever you want. But just have a season to a degree. That's what they care about. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to be playing July the 2nd, I think that's a Thursday then you're probably going to see spring training start around June 10, June 14, somewhere in that range. And you'd expect somewhere between two and a half to three weeks for a spring training 2.0 and then the season starting in that first week of July. I think that's what the players are hearing. But Major League Baseball is not going to come out and give just a a tidbit of information here or uh, just a, 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 a morsel of a piece of information over there. I think they have to present the entire plan all at once that goes from broadcasters and players to travel to umpires, how they're going to do all this, what the plan is for for fans in the stands, if at all. I think that's going to have to be one big package that they completely uh, unveil for everybody at at one time, and we'll take it from there. So if that's what you end up having uh, having, uh, a season starting up in July, then I think we could see perhaps – 80 to 100 games, I think that could happen. I think that's what the players are thinking. And if you get that at this point, that'd be a humongous win for everybody. I think pressure from the KBO for Major League Baseball, more than anything, is showing that, yes, for the long term, for the entire season, you don't want to play without fans. But you can at least start for now without fans if you wanted to. Absolutely. And I think getting the the season started is the biggest thing because here's the problem. But before you sell a ticket, before you open a door, I think you have to get this thing started because there's no guarantee that once you start, then there's not a a second flare up and an outbreak and guys that are playing start to get sick because if that happens, the whole house of cards comes falling down. So I think it gives you an opportunity to start the season, get something going, get a month or I don't know, a month and a half, two months into the season 
And if everything is going well, if everything is fine and, and this, this thing continues to die down and folks are uh, more and more getting outside and doing what they normally do, then at that point you could say, well, this plane's off the ground and we're at cruising altitude. Let's open up the gates. Let's get this thing going. So to me, that date would probably be sometime around the end of August, early September. That's assuming you start playing in July. You start playing in July, that weekend of the 4th of July, and you show me six good weeks of, of clean baseball with no issues and this thing continues to, to tail off. I don't think anybody in baseball would have a problem with thinking about opening up the gates for Labor Day weekend, have this, uh, fans in the stands for the final month of the season, then, of course, for the postseason. What are the conversations with amongst the players like Freddie and Ronnie and Ozzy just about not having baseball and kind of what the conversations are amongst the community about how to get this thing back going? Yeah, I think what they're going through is very similar to us. It's a sit and wait because the, the position that they're in, you know, for, for what I do, they could just say, okay, here's the date that we're going to start, and I just show up that day and I go. For the players, it's much different. I mean, it, it can't be, okay, we're starting July 2nd, and they just show up July 2nd. That spring training 2.0 is going to be very, very important for them, especially for the pitchers. They know what they've got to do, and I think from the folks that I've spoken with, it seems like the, the best way I can put it is they're in a holding pattern in terms of how they're preparing for the season. Freddie told me, and he's out in California now at his home there. He was in Atlanta for a while, and his home here in Atlanta is in the same neighborhood as Dan Ugla. Dan's got a cage in his basement, and he was going over to Dan Ugla's house five times a day and, and taking a bunch of cuts and, and working out regularly. He told me just last week that even in California, he's Danny Espinosa lives in the same neighborhood. He and Danny Espinosa are throwing regularly, uh, working out with the weights and everything five days a week, but also having baseball activity four to five days a week. I think there's a, a limit as to what you can do. You still would remain in the routine, but I don't think you can just ramp up as if we're, we're supposed to have a season here in the next few weeks. I don't think they can ramp up that activity until we have a date set in stone. And for these pitchers, it's the same thing. I spoke with uh, some of our pitchers. I've spoken with our pitching coach as well, where they're talking about, for the starters anyway, getting up and getting down, going to throw an inning, uh, throwing 20, 15, 20 pitches, sitting down for 10 minutes, getting back up again and doing their best to replicate what an inning would feel like. But you really can't do that more than two or three times, uh, maybe once or twice a week. I, I don't think they can say, okay, I felt good with 50 pitches getting up and down last go round. Let's ramp it up to 75 or 90 uh, because we have no idea where the end of the tunnel is for this thing. So that's the holding pattern that these guys are in. They're all very hopeful that we'll have something. And they all say the same thing, whatever it takes, wherever the games are, whatever uh, amount of games you want to play, just set it in stone, and we'll go do that. They're desperate to get out there and play. See, but that's the whole thing, the ramping up part. It's the same thing with college football right now. You hear all these ADs talking about, okay, we're going to go to in-person classes, get student-athletes back in July. But the football players, football players, they have to have some type of preseason, some type of offseason. They had not been in strength and conditioning since March. It's not a flip-the-switch thing, okay, we're going to start on August 1st. you got to give them at least about a month and a half so that they can have proper preparation to get ready for this thing. That's right, because if you don't, then what's going to happen is going to be pretty dangerous. I mean, you guys are going to be getting crushed out there. It's not going to be the same. Their, their bodies aren't going to be ready. And to ramp up and play at that level is so hard for anyone to do, but it takes so much preparation to get there. And, and if you don't have that, I, I, to me, that's extremely dangerous, Ben, especially with football and, and the heat that you're going to have. 
uh, we, we have uh, enough uh, of a time with that as it is when these guys are, are going through spring practice and going through two days and doing whatever they would normally do during the summertime and trying to get in shape. It's going to be a very slippery slope and one they're going to have to be very careful with because I, I fear that if you just flip the switch and let them go, then, then it's going to be uh, you're going to have more, more injuries than we've seen in a long time. So what do we think the draft's going to be? Five rounds, 12 rounds? We know it's going to be shortened. How is it going to be handled? It is. Will it go? Yeah, it is. And where those guys, when they do have the draft, where those guys go is a big question, too. I had a chat with Alex Anthopoulos, our general manager, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And he acknowledged that the draft will be shorter, whether that's five rounds, ten rounds, a dozen rounds. He does not know, but it'll be somewhere in that vicinity. What I am concerned with with the minor league affiliates is there's talk of these major league teams rather than having a 40 man roster with 26 that, that can be on the major league roster. You would have an extended 50 man roster, maybe even 60 and have all those guys available. In other words, you do that. You have those guys available. Everyone plus 26 is just ready in case you have a D eights or a doubleheader one day, or they need to make a roster move and doing that rather than having a minor league season. So you might have 50 guys in your organization who are designated to play in major league games. And those, that excess number of players over 26 for the major league roster, they just go through workouts, they do whatever it takes, but there's no place for them to play. And that to me is uh, that that's a troublesome argument because I, I I think that the minor leagues are so important. I would hate for those guys to miss out on a year. I mean, you think about some of those prospects and guys who are fighting for spots. There's no guarantee that they'll have that same opportunity a year from now. And what does that mean for uh, the people who, who are, are umpires, broadcasters, front office people, people who are working at the stadiums in AAA and AA and A ball and short season? It's a big domino effect that I would hate to see that first domino fall. But I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to limit these big gatherings. And if you go a season without minor league baseball, I think that would hurt a lot. It really hurt a lot of people. Uh, And I think it'd be really, really tough. But that's another thing that they're talking about and having the extended roster uh, to use for major league games and nothing beyond that, which leads me back to your original question. If you're, uh, you know, you know, Joe Smith, who gets uh, you're, you're drafted from, you know, where Clemson in the third round, well, where do you go play? Uh, there's no place to play. There's no short season. There's no rookie ball. There's no uh, low A or high A. And that's typically where those guys might land. And uh, while it would be great to be drafted and in an organization, you probably would not be going anywhere until spring training the following year. And that would be an awful big challenge for any of those guys to, to get drafted in June, but not see action until the following February. And that'd be so painful for Pearl, for Gwinnett, not to mention the service time questions you'd have with those guys that mm-hmm. do come up and play. It'd be awful. And look, I spent six years calling minor league baseball and lived that life. And it's, man, every paycheck, you got to have it. And, and it's like, it's the same for everyone there. We're, we're paycheck to paycheck, not just for the players, but the people in the front office as well. And it's a, it's a close knit community and you learn so much. It's such a proving ground. I would never give up anything uh, to, to give back my minor league time. I learned so much in doing that, but I know what that life is like. And you're on a shoestring budget and you're happy to be doing it. You're happy to be paying your dues and working your way there, but it's tough. And for for those people to not have a season at all, for the ground screw keepers to not have a, a summer's worth of paychecks and likewise the umpires and likewise the official scores and caterers and game day staff, it's tough. And, and it, it's tough already as it is, but there are people out there who are at least hopeful that I'll have my summer job. I'll at least have 
two or three months of what I normally do for the local minor league baseball team. And you're really hurting a, a massive portion of the local economy uh, in those places if you uh, eliminate baseball for that season there that summer. Anthony Servideo, Tyler Keenan, college baseball hitters who produce, they'll be fine with the draft because you know what they are. I think the draft, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, the high school kids, those are the guys that are going to suffer the most from it. Is that fair? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I think that's fair. That and those, you know, when you get an opportunity and you're you're talking about a draft that's 20, 30, 40 rounds deep or whatever it may be, uh, the reason that the major league draft is as long as it is, is is for those guys who get drafted towards the top to have competition to play against. But And, and while most of those guys who get drafted low, there's a good chance they're not going to get to the big leagues, there's at least the opportunity to. I mean, I worked with a guy, Mark Lemke, who was a 26th-round draft choice, made the best out of it, made it, made it to the big leagues, and, and was a standout for a long period here in Atlanta. Those guys exist. And those guys get hit really hard. I mean, those guys that you just mentioned who are viewed as as high-level draft choices, guys who are going to be top prospects in organizations, they'll still get their opportunities. But I feel for those guys who are seniors this year, and maybe they would have been drafted in the 20th round, 25th round, 30th round. And now the the, the chance of that goes down dramatically because you're not going to be playing anywhere next year. You're You're out of eligibility. You didn't play this year. Uh, and maybe you've you got to go get a job or you graduate or whatever it may be. It's going to be tough for all those guys. So at least for the high school guys, there's the, you could say, okay, maybe I go and play college for a year and then I, I find a way to get drafted or whatever. They're definitely going to suffer. And I also think those guys who will be getting drafted late uh, in the draft would, would be suffering too because that same opportunity, that same phone call might not be there for them next year. All right, well, go ahead and hurt my feelings. Where would the Braves be right now if we were playing? That's a good question. I was I was really excited about what they had because I thought they were in a position to be in contention in the division, but really in a position to, once you get to the trade deadline, make the move to bring along the ace is going to help you in October. I don't think there's anybody in the front office that believes that they were built right now to surge through the postseason, but you didn't have to be built for that right now. All you had to be built for was for success in the regular season. I think they had that. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, Ronald Acuna, they had slow spring trainings, but slow spring trainings for offensive players, position players, that doesn't bother me at all. I, I've seen so many guys have horrendous spring trainings and you flip on the switch and they're themselves once you get to the regular season. It's the pitchers that I worry about with slow spring trainings. And of, of the Braves pitchers, Mike Fulton Evans was the only one that was really having a slow spring training. And his last uh, couple of starts were actually pretty good. I saw so much depth in the rotation. I knew that there'd be depth there, but I didn't know that it would be five and six guys deep. I thought you might have two or three guys competing for the final uh, two spots in the rotation. And I saw guys who are certainly going to triple a look every bit as good as the guys that I thought were going to be making the fourth and fifth spots out of the rotation. Most likely Newcomb and, and Felix Hernandez. Uh, so I was pumped about that. I thought that they were built to take on whomever they wanted, be in contention, be one of the better teams in the National League for the first three months of the season, get to the trade deadline, see who's out there, and pull the trigger. And go go grab yourself someone who can go toe-to-toe with any of these aces that go out there and dominate in October. That's what you're missing. Uh, that, and I think Soroka was continuing to develop into that. And I think he still will. He's 22 years old or whatever he is. And I think he can be as good as anybody in the league. And I'm not, that's not me blowing smoke because I don't normally say things like that. But I'm very, very impressed with him. Very impressed with Max Freed. I don't think he can quite reach the same levels that Mike Soroka can. But if you had those two guys going one and two and you make a trade for somebody in July 
and bring on another ace and Cole Hamels is healthy and uh, Mike, hopefully Mike Boltonevich and Sean Newcomb were pitching like they were towards the end of spring training. And you got this depth of guys and Kyle Wright and Tukey Tucson and others who look so good down in Florida. You're, you're set on the mound and you, you can't ever uh, assume that everyone's going to be healthy, but assuming those guys were, you're in good shape to be as good as you wanted to be. And hopefully they still get that opportunity in a shortened season. Mississippi kid Austin Riley was having a good spring. Now he's Mississippi State commit, but everybody's rooting for him back home. He was having a good spring. Man, to the point where we went into spring training with it being Riley or Camargo. That was the story. Who gets the, the spot at third base? With everything that I saw, and Austin's, Austin was better than anybody that I saw at spring training. I mean, he, he came such a long way from where he was uh, flailing at sliders in August of last year. He looked like a completely different guy, and I expected that because he's so young and he is so talented. But he did so well that not just me, but people in the front office were telling me off the record, if we started today, both guys make the roster with Riley getting the nod at third base and Camargo being one of our guys to come off the bench. We, I think they were telling me that we feel like we're better with Camargo being a, a, another option, a Swiss Army knife kind of guy who can come off the bench. We need more depth in that lineup, so put Austin Riley in there, let him hit fifth behind Marcelo Zuna, and just let it go. Uh, and let him play his natural position of third base. I think that's how they felt because if, if Austin wasn't going to win the spot at third base, he was going to be going to AAA because they wanted him getting every day at bats. They didn't want him just sitting there simmering on the bench and getting an AB here and there. So I think they were so impressed with him that they that he changed their minds to the point where they said, you're going to win the third base job, you'll be batting fifth, and Camargo can be our every, do-everything guy coming off the bench, which is uh, – that's how it, it's, it, it's really hard to be that good in that short amount of time to change people's minds, but that's how good Austin Riley was. Ole Miss was 16-1 and when play was suspended. I've asked this question before, but you know better than anybody. Where does that rank amongst we are Ole Miss moments? Oh man, that's got to be towards the list, uh, top of the list, because I'm, I'm thinking this team. You know, the, the preseason predictions. You never know in the SEC because you got 14 teams in the conference, and probably a dozen of them are going to make a regional. So even if you're having a year where you're not predicted to be amongst the best, you're still probably going to be good enough to play postseason baseball. And I think this team was by far exceeding everybody's expectation. And I never got to see them play on television, but I keep up with them very, very closely. Uh, that series versus Louisville got everybody's attention. And, and to see what they had on the mound and see how those guys are hitting the baseball, it just says, man, you can't wait to see this thing play out over 50 games and then see what happens come, come the postseason. Because if you're able to do this in any conference, that's impressive. But if you could be that good in that conference, you got a shot to win the whole thing. It's not just getting to Omaha. You got a chance to win the whole thing. And while it was, what, 16, 17 games, you said, yeah. so you're not even quite halfway through your schedule, it was certainly enough to make a believer out of me, which really is a, is a kick in the groin, knowing what could have been <laughs> that we'll never know one way or the other. When you heard Lane Kiffin was going to be the head coach of your Ole Miss football rebels, what did you think? I was excited. I was. I, I, the first thing that, that happened that day was this changes the view of Ole Miss nationally. Uh, I think that changed the, the, the national narrative for Ole Miss, which was good. I, I think you needed someone who could do that. Obviously, you need someone who's going to win. Uh, that's the most important thing. And, and for Lane Kiffin, I was trying to, to do my best to, to be fair about this thing. The guy's got a pretty impressive resume. But I was thinking, what's the what's the most impressive thing that he's done? And you could say what he did at OC at, at Alabama was impressive, and what he did at Florida Atlantic was impressive. Before that, 
he was just a guy that was probably as young as he was, was getting opportunities because of the potential that was there. Everyone knew how good he could be. I mean, Al Davis hires the guy. Tennessee hires the guy. Um, I mean, USC hires the guy. He's got so many high-profile jobs on potential, and, and that the recruiting ability is there, the ability to score bunches of points is there. But I think he just needed time to uh, continue to develop, continue to mature, uh, and, and he's done that in his early 40s. I mean, it's crazy to think that what he was doing 10, 12 years ago, uh, that he was a head coach in the NFL, what, 30, and, and in Tennessee at 31, 32. So I think having that experience helps a lot, and uh, I'm just ready to see now what the what the culmination of all that is at a Power 5 school. And the fact that it's at, at, at Ole Miss, I think it's a perfect fit. I, I remember having a conversation with my brother, who's a Mississippi State alumnus, and we were both in agreement that the two coaches that the two schools hired could not be a better fit for the fan bases of those two schools. And I, I just hope we get the, a, a really, really good, healthy rivalry between the two schools. It's a shame that that's not been the case in the past, uh, but uh, I hope that you, that, that both schools can be healthy about it. And those two coaches can make the state look good because when they were hired, I thought it made the, the state look very, very good. And I could tell that the national narrative changed on Ole Miss the day that Lane Kiffin was hired. I thought that was a big step in the right direction. Makes them nationally interesting for the first time since they were both in the top four in 2014. It's a shame that didn't get to last. That it, it just, yep. uh, I don't know. We, we could we could go another hour on that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> be a lot of finger pointing, yeah. that's for certain. But yeah, yeah I, I just hope, I hope you can get back to that because that was those years, man, were a lot of fun. And I tell people all the time who uh, ask me about that Alabama game in fourteen. Uh, if I get to the end of my life and I get to relive one of the days of my life over again, that would be probably in the top five of consideration. That was such a great day. I had a blast that day, and I'd love to have some more days like that. Well, thanks for coming on, my friend. I appreciate you. Stay safe, and uh, hopefully we'll get the Braves back soon. That sounds great, man. I appreciate it. Good to chat with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.